Welcome to the 11th episode of One Thing Led to Another. I am your host, as always, Noah. And for this episode, I am joined by Michael Poor, who is the author of one of my favorite books of 2019. Um, he wrote the book Reincarnation Blues, which I just read, uh, just finished up last week. And it has been one of the most fun reads I've had in a long while. It was a nice breakup in the string of nonfiction books that I've been reading lately. Um, it's the story of a man named Milo who is nearing his 10,000th life, which you're only allowed 10,000 to reach perfection or enlightenment or nirvana, whichever you prefer. So it's about his last couple of lives and what he does in order to reach perfection. And if he does, you'll have to read to find out. Also, a fun caveat of the book is his uh, love interest is Susie, otherwise known as Death. It was an incredibly fun book, very funny, very profound at parts, um, and just an adventure to read. But that's Michael Poor's book. He is also the author of Up Jumps the Devil, and he has another book coming out in September, which is a children's book. So be on the lookout for that as well. It's coming from Random House Children's. Um, as for the episode, I'm going to have to apologize because there was a little bit of an audio issue. I am way too loud in for this uh my mouth was way too close to the microphone and i have this bad thing of wearing noise canceling headphones so i don't get a general sense of how loud i am talking so i will make that change in the future and while i love anchor and anchor has made this incredible this podcast way easier to produce and record one of the main drawbacks of anchor is that there's no way to equalize the volume or adjust the volume after you've recorded an episode i can't just download the episode as an mp3 and mix it myself so that's one of the downsides of anchor um but i'm just gonna have to ask for your patience when it comes to listening and thankfully i don't talk very much so michael does most of the talking so hopefully i don't blow out your eardrums with my loud um over dominating voice um, a couple announcements again. I'm going to keep saying it until this time has passed. I am going to be at the Lake Fly Writers Conference in Oshkosh, Wisconsin from May 10th and 11th. I will have a booth set up promoting the podcast. Uh, numbers are doing very well. I, the, I, my audience, estimated audience is climbing. Listens are climbing. Listens per episodes are climbing. Uh, so it seems like some of the marketing and promotion I'm doing is working. So very excited, it's especially uh, very thankful to any of those who have shared the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you. It's one of my favorite things to do. But yes, I will be at the Lake Fly Writers Conference May 10th and 11th. I hope to see you there. But without further ado, this is the interview with Michael Poor, our 11th episode of One Thing Led to Another. And I would like to thank you all so very, very much for listening. Check out his book, Reincarnation Blues and Up Jumps the Devil. This is Michael Poor. My name is uh, Michael Poor. I'm a 52-year-old uh, teacher and writer. I live in uh, Highland, Indiana. I'm originally from Ohio, 
and uh, I'm the author of a couple of a couple of books that have gotten out there. One is Up Jumps the Devil uh, from Echo back in 2012, and then more recently, uh, Reincarnation Blues from uh, from Del Rey. And then uh, and there's a bunch of short stories out there also. And uh, next fall, actually, uh, I've got my first kids book coming out. That's something my agent talked me into at uh, at one point, and it, it we wound up with a really a really fun uh, story. And uh, I actually wrote it for my daughter uh, when she was about ten. Uh, she's fourteen now, um, so uh, she's aged out of it a little bit. But it, it's, it was really a thrill to uh, you know get the advanced copies and then show it to her. And it, you know on the uh, dedication page it says for Gianna, and that was awesome. So okay, so that's my introduction. So I read your book Reincarnation Blues. I just finished it about a week ago, and I absolutely loved it. And the funny story associated with it is I was actually on vacation in the Florida Keys when I started reading it and the very first chapter as of course, you know, Oh yeah. Takes place in the keys. So that's the immediately. I knew that this was going to be a good book just because it, 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 it geographically, it did a little bit, <laughs> but I absolutely loved the book and I just have to commend you on it. But I think the question that I have first for that book is what I fell in love with immediately was your writing style. And what I want to ask is how did you develop, that style, that sort of succinct, uh, humorous, but also profound style? Um, so, oh, profound. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> somewhere along the line, I pretty much just started writing the way I, I talk. Uh, I, I, I tried to be less, uh, less stilted and I guess unafraid. I tried to be, it hasn't really worked, but I've tried to be unafraid of what I was I was putting down and in the hopes that it would wind up being uh, sounding spontaneous and uh, maybe maybe a little ballsy if, if that's, that's what I was was going for and somewhere along the line I wound up with whatever this whatever this uh, style is I, I also I'll always want it to be fun for the reader that's one of the things I like best about reading is when I'm enjoying myself and so I try to uh, try to set that kind of tone uh for the for the voyage i'm taking with the reader so the way that the book was structured is it's almost like it's very close to almost a short story anthology given all the different lives right. that the main character lives so my question is how were you able to tell stories that take place over such a lengthy period of time i mean one chapter is a lifetime how are you able right. to do that and then make them interesting uh, it took a lot of work, and there's there's also a, a lot that wound up, uh, as they say, on the on the cutting room floor. Um, the uh, the book was a real mess when it, when I when I first finished it, and uh, I, I worked really closely with my agent Michelle Brower. And uh, when uh, when Del Rey picked up the book, uh, I got this this fantastic uh, editor, uh, Trisha Narwani, and there is a lot of them in the in the book I've, I've said before that it was it was kind of a team effort and and it, and it really was so so they're the ones who kind of took the mess that i had at the beginning and made suggestions and uh michelle was always very uh you know strong strongly felt that every chapter should have a purpose that kind of, kind of sounds obvious now that I, I say it out loud and i'm kind of embarrassed that she had to tell me that but uh you know that we wanted to be clear what it was that uh you know what, what the stakes were for milo in any uh in any given chapter um so there's a, a lot of a lot of clarity that came to be in the book that wasn't in there at the very beginning and uh 
uh, Trisha was the one who recommended that we have some mini chapters that actually uh, told us more about Susie because uh, originally she was a little, she wasn't in the book as much uh, in the very beginning. And then, so she kind of came to the, to the fore, but uh, I, guess, I guess my answer is teamwork and doing stuff over and over. It was kind of like being in the classroom, like, do it over until you get it right. And if it takes, uh, if it takes two years, um, I, and that's that's about what it took. Uh, it, it took two years to get it into into shape uh, for a reader. So then, for your first book, Up Jumps the Devil, can you take me a little bit through um, what I like to call the story of the story, almost where the initial idea for the story came from, and then that journey through to publication, ultimately? Sure. Um, there was a a story I liked real well. A lot of people are are familiar with uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Vincent Benet's The Devil and Daniel Webster, and that was a favorite story of mine when I was a uh, when I was a kid. One of my first very favorite stories. And aside from you know letting me know that it would be a bad idea to ever sell my soul to the devil, it also made me see uh, the devil and maybe other mythical characters also as part of. Uh, the story of America, if you will, and as someone who's taught world history and American history uh, in schools for a number of years, uh, th- th- this is something that's been a very strong uh, influence on me. So I, oh, I don't know how it is that I got started thinking I wanted to write a book about the devil, but I, I remember sitting in a Cracker Barrel at one point and looking all the looking at all the dumb stuff they have up on the wall there, there's like a deer head and a musket and everything. And it's the same in every cracker barrel you go to in the fireplace and stuff like that. And it has kind of a frontier sort of feel to it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a book that's got like the devil in the woods and it's, he's going to be this kind of folksy character. He's not going to be Satan. He's not going to be just dripping horrid, evil, you know, depravity or anything. He's going to be, he's going to be an American like he was in uh, the devil and Daniel Webster. So uh, anyway, so that's, that's where I took that. And then it, it wound up being, okay. I, I actually stopped halfway through the book and started over because I, I think I'm not the only writer out there who's gotten halfway through a book and thought, wow, everything I have so far is really dumb. Uh, that's what I did. And I went back and I tried to keep, I said, well, what do people think of when they think about the devil as an American? We're like selling your soul to the devil. Let's stick with the, stick with the heart of the story. And so I kind of started it uh, over at that point. And uh, anyway, that, that, that was the book that uh, brought me and my agent together. She, well, kind of, she, uh, she read a story of mine in the greens, uh, in the Greensboro review and uh, contacted me to say, uh, say, I like your style. Do you have anything uh, that's, that's full length? And I said, yeah, I have this, this other book that I've been working on. It was like a million pages long and everything. And I sent it to her and she got back to me. She's like, I can't sell this. She said, do you have, <laughs> do you have anything else? And I said, well, yeah, I'm working on kind of a biography of the devil. She said, that sounds great. Uh, when, when's it going to be, uh, when's it going to be done? And I wasn't smart enough yet not to give somebody an idea of when you're going to be done with something because then they turn it into a deadline. But uh, anyway, it really didn't take that long. It was I worked on that for about a year. And then the editing was the back and forth on that one was only like eight months. And then uh, and, and then in, in summer, we had a, a publisher, Echo, Echo wanted to publish it. So that part of the process was easy with the devil. So the, but, uh, anyway, so that's the story about Jumps the Devil. So then after, uh, after Up Jumps the Devil, what sort of lessons were learned when it came to when you started writing Reincarnation Blues? Oh, um, I think the process was actually really similar at the, at the beginning. Um, 
for one thing, I, I wasn't, I, I don't think my experience of publishing with Echo really changed the way I, I wrote that much. And the reason I say that is because it, it wasn't a horror story. A lot of times you hear about somebody, you know, they get their, their book published and they're all happy. And then the, 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 they have to change a whole bunch of stuff that they don't want to change and they get a dumb cover or uh, all kinds of terrible things that you hear happening. And I, none of those things happened to me. I was, I thought that myself and the, and the book were treated with tremendous respect and everything. So I kept, I went about doing things the way I had before, which was I took the idea and made a, made an outline and then the outline changed. And then I started, uh, I started writing those episodes that you, that you talk about. And that probably took about, it probably, the first draft probably took, Oh, I don't know, nine or 10 months, not really that long. Uh, and then, like I say, with reincarnation blues, it was the editing that, uh, that took, you know, the reshaping of the story that took a long time, but I, I, I did it pretty much the same way. It was, it was just that uh, um, there was, it was a, it was a much bigger mess than the devil book and, and, and it took a lot more work but i i started working with the idea of the story in the same so then i have to ask where did this fascination with i, I don't want to say i'll say satirizing uh sort of heaven and hell and and religious and mythical figures uh that's just what i grew up with those were my interests in storyhood when i was uh when i was a child I, i've always been fascinated by uh I guess myth. I, when when I was a kid, I I had an idea that there was a lot of people called it God. I always I always felt that there was something out there that you could you could talk to, whether it was you know, Zeus or the devil or the spirit, the earth spirit in the ground, or or something like that. And that's that's kind of stayed with me. I spent I did a stint in my twenties as a pagan. I was a member of a Wiccan coven. <laughs> uh, so uh, spiritual matters of one sort or another have always fascinated me. Uh, I. I I'll enjoy myself at a Lutheran church service or, uh, you know, dancing around a fire in the, in, in the springtime or, or something. So I've always, that's what I've always looked for in my characters. That's always seemed like it was the heart of, of my characters, which was whatever, whatever God flame was at their, uh, was at their center. Um, I, I don't know from, to what extent that, that comes from me, for example, in, uh, uh, reincarnation blues milo has trouble meditating well i tried to i've tried to meditate <laughs> a thousand times and he has those problems because i have those problems i, I can't get uh, it's called monkey mind i can't get my monkey mind to to shut up so anyway i think i might also have a bout of monkey mind now that you mention it i think i think most people do but i've, I've known people who who claim to have gotten beyond it and uh i'm just gonna have to be happy for them <laughs> because I, I don't uh, so one of my favorite parts about reincarnation blues was milo's relationship to Susie, and i think one of the cool things about it was is the book starts with them having a formed relationship and then details the formation of that relationship later and what i want to right. ask about that is was that relationship based in your own relationship or was it taken from a lot of outside influence and how did you make it feel so genuine I don't know. Um, I, I suppose it, it probably came from a lot of outside influence and my uh, and my own. I, I've been fortunate in my life to know a lot of uh, a lot of fabulous people, uh, in, including uh, the the woman I'm married to now, Janine, and and also including my first wife. Uh, 
So, you know, having been married twice and having going, you know, I, I suppose I, I picked and chose things relationship wise. Um, I don't know that I ever sat down and said, OK, I'm going to make a list. OK, what do I what do I remember about, uh, you know, that Jody or, or whoever that I just, <laughs> you know, I'd, um, but a long time ago, I was in a uh, I was in a poetry class at Ohio University uh, with, uh, with my friend James. And we were talking about a poem I had written, a bad poem. And, uh, James said, I think Michael tells loves. He thought I would be insulted by that. And, and I wasn't, I actually thought, Oh, that's, that's actually kind of cool. That's the best kind of story to tell. And, and that's kind of my go-to thing. I think whenever I, when I think, okay, I want to tell a story about someone who's having some sort of issue with, with God or the devil or, uh, or, or whoever, well, what's the, what's going on in their life that that's going to be told through. And a lot of times what suggests itself is, well, how's, how's their love life? You know, what's their, what's their love interest. That's kind of what, what drives us. uh, I I think one of the things that, that drives us. Um, So I don't know if I've answered your, your question, but I've sort of, I've sort of rambled about my relationship with my relationships and um, it's, I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't very organized about how I put it together. It just things sort of fell to fell from the sky, and then uh, my, the editor and I put it together. <laughs> so when it comes to the writing process, or even the outlining process. do you struggle with the most when it comes to writing and outlining and how do you get past those struggles? Um, getting, getting control of, let me use for, uh, for example, uh, the, the book I'm writing right now, which is, uh, it's kind of a prequel to Moby Dick. It's about Ahab from childhood up through, you know, when he gets his leg bit <laughs> and, that okay the book at this point is over 300,000 words long it's far longer than Moby Dick itself and I keep trying to sit down and make the voice be more succinct and because I know I'm going to have to edit it down to a to a certain a certain timing and um, I'm trying to write that in the you know get it right the first time and it's just not uh, it's just not working so uh, the, the outlining usually goes goes fine i'll sit down and i'll write down i'll say okay well i'm gonna have this chapter where ahab is home on nantucket and uh something has to happen you know while he's while he's home and usually it feels like i can just sort of watch a little movie in my mind and see well what do i see happening in the community and what's uh, what's going on with uh, ahab or his his friends or whatnot and the outline will come out and say okay well there's uh people are getting sick and they don't know they don't know why and then then when I sit down to sit down to write, hopefully something, hopefully something comes of, of that. And the problem I'm having right now is that so much comes of it that, you know, before I know it, I've been at work a week and I'm no closer to the end of the story. I'm no closer to re, to resolving it. And what I have had is like three or four other ideas and things that I realize I now, I now have to go to. So that's the main problem is I, just finding my way, 
and I, th- I think other uh, other writers would uh, would agree with me if I if I said that I almost more so with this book, but I almost always feel like I'm really at sea and a little bit lost when I'm in the middle of of, of writing something. I, I have a plan, I have an outline, but I it just hardly ever seems to be working. Now, do you follow the same writing process when it comes to, say, writing poetry or short fiction versus writing a novel? I I don't write poetry any, okay. anymore. I, I I realized that, that that was not going to be uh, my thing. That's that's my wife thing. <laughs> that's Janine Harrison. Um, uh, with a short story, yeah. Except with a short story, uh, I I got pretty good at at using a more succinct voice, and uh, I could actually write. Uh, um, I could write a, a short story and actually make it be episodic too, like a braided story where you have one thing happening for one character and you alternate with something happening for another character, and uh, uh, that that. That voice uh, that's more 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 brief, more perhaps hard hitting, uh, works much better with uh, with short stories. With uh, when when you're writing a novel, things tend to uh, it's it's a sea with a longer swell. Mm. So, but uh, and 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 when I when I did used to write poems, that was just a whole different thing. I used to just uh, kind of write down whatever came to came to mind. That's why I don't write poems anymore because that that didn't work. <laughs> it's a risky risky business when you're doing that. Well, it didn't feel risky at the time because my poetry days were uh, back when there was a great, always a great deal of alcohol involved. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I think most people know how it is when you you wake up and look at if you you wrote or painted something or recorded something in the middle of the night. Oh, you just hope nobody else. Ever <laughs> I think it was Ernest Ernest Hemingway who said. Maybe it was Ernest Hemingway who said, "Write drunk, edit sober." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was uh, it was Kurt Vonnegut who said, "I have a problem sometimes late at night with alcohol and the telephone." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love Vonnegut. Yeah, the, the the process that uh, we we have in writing and the process that leads to our life's regrets, especially with alcohol, sometimes is very similar. <laughs> Oddly enough. So let's um let's talk about your new book that's coming out. So it's a children's book that serves as a prequel to Moby Dick, and I have to ask. Oh, oh that's that's not. Oh, a children's I apologize. Book. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's uh, that's that that's kind of that's it's coming out in September, so it's kind of. I was going to ask because that down. seemed like a yeah. bold strategy for a children's book. I, that, that would be, especially at, you know, at, at over 300,000. <laughs> That's what I was I thinking. That, that, that would never get past the marketing people. So, um, yeah, the, the, uh, the kids book, uh, it's coming out from Random House Kids in, uh, in September. Uh, and it's called Two Girls, A Clock, and a Crooked House. And it's about two girls who uh, travel. They, they put together a time machine out of a rocking chair and uh, in a bunch of odds and ends and they travel back in time and uh there's a there's a witch involved and and bullies and uh, uh one of one of the characters has sustained a head injury uh earlier earlier on in her life that uh, it uh, it causes her problems but it also gives her powers and both girls have had a, an injury that gives them uh telepathic powers and also the ability to discern certain things so that they can travel in time. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a magical story and uh, hopefully it's a lot of fun. And most hopefully of all, my daughter likes it. It's going to be really embarrassing if I, you know, I, I wrote it for her and then she, she's like, what's this? What's this? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's a good goal to have. And that's coming out in September, you said? 
Yes. Very exciting. Well, the whole purpose of this show, as I usually point out here at the end, is to help pros- to help writers and authors learn the techniques to telling a good story. And I always ask everybody for my last question is, what advice do you have to somebody who wants to tell a better story? And that can be writing, that can be screenwriting, that can be even at the dinner table. Okay. I guess uh, write you do, whether it's writing in a journal or making a video log or uh, you know, whatever it is you do that tells stories, the more of it you do, the more stories you're going to find. And that's been something that's, that's worked well for me is that I'm always thinking about these things. I'm always making notes and doing outlines. And uh, more than once, I've gone back through just all the stuff I've accumulated and said, wow, wow, look at that. that, that that's, a, that's really a good idea. You know, I didn't realize it at the time or uh, and then, and then another, another thing that kind of goes with that is to keep your ears open. Um, we don't usually just make things up. We, we can't kind of go with what we, what we hear. Usually a great story isn't something you think of. It's something that uh, you, you recognize. You're like, Oh, wow. I gotta, I gotta tell, I gotta tell that story or I gotta make that story, you know, mine in, in some way. Or uh, like, for example, I, I got this, I got this neighbor, Charlie, I, I talk about him all the time and I, I write about him all the time, like in little, like blog pieces and and stuff uh stuff like that and uh you know he i just happened to move in next to the guy i didn't make him up so anyway so that's 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 my answer well i want to thank you so much for joining me on the show michael thank you very much this is a blast of 